0: What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Ride in the Pine. Jack Rodner back with you all today. And as always, we've got another fantastic episode in store for everyone at home. But before I get into all of that, let's take a little dive into the last episode. I was joined by a great guest from the college basketball world, current head women's basketball coach at Seton Hill University, Coach Mark Katarski. Coach Katarski and I got into this past year at Seton Hill and what it's been like being a part of such a historically and also recently successful program over the last few Years, What got him interested in becoming a coach and what it was like coaching at Chatham University when the school was an all-women's college and so much more. So if you want to hear about Coach Katarski's career and about Seton Hill basketball, go check out episode 292 and all 292 episodes that are out now on all podcast platforms. Now, getting into today, we're going to be joined by another coach from the college basketball world, but this time from the Division I side of things. Current assistant men's basketball coach at University of Albany, Coach Bobby Jordan. Coach Jordan and I get into his career. Starting off during his playing career at Drexel University and what got him interested in wanting to become a coach What it was like going from Drexel to then Wagner and eventually St. Peter's before landing at Albany And what he has learned along the way during his coaching career What it was like being the acting head coach for the first five games of the season for Albany this past year and so much more So if you want to hear a little inside scoop into Albany season this past year and about coach Bobby Jordan's career Don't go anywhere because here comes coach Jordan. So with that folks, let's make our way into our show for today so as always be sure to find your favorite seat here on the bench with me sit back relax and enjoy the show okay, J. and i'm here with current assistant men's basketball coach at the university of albany coach bobby jordan coach
1: great to get you on the show today my friend how's it going Jack, thanks a lot for having me. Uh, Excited to be on the show today. Uh, We got a beautiful day here in Albany. Sun's out, so that's always a good thing. And uh, looking forward to our discussion.
0: Yeah, likewise, we have a beautiful day here in Pittsburgh. It's a little chilly, but the sun's out, which is always a a good start, to say the least, especially in the western part of Pennsylvania. But, Coach, I want to get into this past season, just jump right into it. Just how was it for this group this past year? How was it for you? I know it was your first season, full season with Albany. So what were some takeaways from this past year for you?
1: You know, we we had a roller coaster of a season this year. Um, you know, a lot of ups and downs. Uh, you know, a young squad that came in, um, you know, returning the rookie of the year in the America East and Justin Neely. Um, unfortunately, he got hurt our second game of the year, went out with a torn ACL um in our rivalry game versus Siena, uh about two minutes into the game. Uh so that was kind of uh, you know, that's a little bit of part of the roller coaster of the season that you have. Um You know when you go through college basketball you have those ups and downs uh i thought we you know fought the whole season uh you know overcame adversity at times a bunch of you know obstacles throughout the season like i said in terms of injuries and and whatnot um you know and eventually i feel like we're building the right core here have the right set of guys that can uh you know get us to that america east championship
0: well, definitely a, a roller coaster year for you guys to say the least. Like you mentioned, I mean, one of your best players going down very early in the season. Definitely not the, something that you would expect, but something else that I'm sure you did not expect is you stepping in as the head coach for the first few games of the year. So would love to hear just what that was like for you. Just again, first time ever being a head coach in a college setting, obviously at a high school setting, but not in the college setting, what that was like for you. And just what were some things that you kind of got to get a little taste of for being a college coach those first five games?
1: Yeah, I mean, it it was definitely a totally different experience for me. Um, I was fortunate enough to have a little bit of experience uh, My last year at Wagner. Um, You know, we had a COVID issue on our team and I had to coach the game against Seton Hall, uh, which was a gigantic, um, you know, opponent to go against in your first game. They were top 25 at the time. Uh, But, you know, moving here and being able to coach the first five games, um, you know, allowed me to get in a little bit of a rhythm. Uh, More so because you kind of know that that's coming and you're going to be the head coach for that game. You kind of get your rotation down of who you're going to play. And we played, you know, different games from, you know, non D1 opponents to D1 opponents. Um, you know, so you had to change up your your game plan a lot of the times to, you know, there's a difference between playing Towson, you know, and, and playing St. Rose or Immaculata. Uh, you know, you got to get your guys up for it's easy to get your guys up for Towson on opening night, but now you got to get your guys up for those other games as well. Um, you know, so that was one of the biggest things I learned is just, you know, the difference of you know, levels of the game, um, you know, and and how to prepare your team, how to motivate them. Uh game planning, obviously, you know, when you're an assistant coach, you do scouts. Um, But now when you're sitting in that in that head seat, now it's your turn to make the decisions on, you know, when to run the plays, when you want to switch defenses. Um, It's great when you're an assistant, you think you have all the answers in the world and you make all the suggestions. Um, But now when it comes time to make those calls and, you know, call those timeouts, it's a whole different story. It's funny you mentioned that. I, I have had
0: a couple of guests on that have also been kind of in your same shoes where they're assistant coaches going on to become head coaches. And they say that's one of the biggest things that they have to deal with when they make that change is realizing that they're the final decision. They're the final word. So instead of, you know, your head coach going to you for advice and you say, hey, this is what I think, you're the one that has to make that call. And I'm sure that definitely kind of adds to all the pressure that's going on. But. A great test for you to get thrown into during Wagner, especially, you know, going up against a top 25 team. What do you remember that during that time, you know, kind of just mentally getting yourself ready for that, especially with everything that was circling around with COVID?
1: Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing uh, for me during that game was to really manage the game, control it for our guys. Um, you know, we we went to the half down, too. Um, and really just it was kind of just don't forget our culture of what we had there uh making sure that was intact um with our head coach being out. Um, you know, I think that's the biggest piece is making sure your culture is intact, not necessarily from NX as an X's and O standpoint, um, but make sure that you're the same team you were uh the last game, who you're gonna be the next game. Um that was our biggest focus that game. Uh the one thing I did learn is when you're playing a big East team, those seven oh runs come really quick. Um, and they can kind of let the game get away if pretty fast if you're not careful enough. Yeah, you definitely, I think, realize those, uh, the little finite details that start
0: to separate everybody as you go up and up and up. So uh, again, a very, very, and really, I think a a, a saying that I like to live by, you only learn if you get thrown in the fire. And I think right there, you got, you definitely got thrown in the fire there, coach. But I want to dive into your career, coach. We'll start first off with your playing days. I know that you were a player at Drexel University, and I would love to hear just what led you to wanting to continue your career there.
1: Yeah, I mean, one of my biggest things uh, coming out of high school was, you know, I always knew I wanted to coach. Um, especially in college, especially in Division I. Uh, so I was afforded the opportunity to go to Drexel University and walk on for Bruiser Flint, uh, who was our head coach there, who not only I played under but worked for as well. And, um, you know, one of the things in going there, is he said, you know, I'll show you how to become a coach at this level. I'll show you what to do, what goes into it. Um, you know, and he did. He, he kept his word the whole time I was there. Um, got me involved with companies like the hoop group, got me involved in AAU and coaching teams, um, while I was in college, uh, which was interesting. Like I would see our coaches out on the road recruiting, um, and I'd be the one coaching the team on the sideline sometimes. Uh, so that was kind of, you know, a great, you know, way to kind of get started in this business. And one of the things that was really important to me as a player was to kind of already get ready to be a coach um but also just experience what it's like for division one basketball players every day to go through um you know in practice and preparation uh because now when you do become a coach you kind of understand it from both sides well how much did it mean to you to really get that first kind of
0: college start or really coaching start at your alma mater you know a place where hey this is where your 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 basketball career continued and where your coaching career started so probably a very special place for you how much did it mean
1: to it for, for you to start there yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm a Philly guy, um, been there all my life. I've only been out of Philadelphia twice. This is actually one of them now that I'm at Albany. Uh, you know, so to be able to start in my hometown, um, at my alma mater, um, you know, was a great opportunity given to me by brew, uh, you know, to join his staff right after being done playing, uh, you know, so there you kind of jump into you were teammates with these guys a year ago, and now you're on the coaching staff. Um, You know, so you kind of find out real quick, you know, what it's like on the other side when you're in the meetings and you're not in the locker room. Um, But, yeah, it just meant so much to me to be able to stay in my hometown, start my coaching career, um, learn from him, who, you know, I respect as, you know, one of the best coaches, you know, I've ever played under and coached with. Um, Just to learn from him was an amazing experience. Well, you bring up an interesting point there where you say, you know,
0: year before your teammates with these guys the next year, you're kind of in charge and, and and you're, you're the coach. What was that like for you going from being a player to a coach? And did you ever feel that maybe some of the guys on the team that were players that following year, maybe they had a hard time respecting you because they kind of still saw you as
1: a player. Yeah. I mean, I think you always get that when you're a young coach starting out, you kind of got to figure out that fine line of, you know, when do I step over holding guys accountable? Um, and, and really you just got to realize that your roles changed. Um, I think as a player, I did a good job of kind of building that respect with the guys in terms of, you know, working them out, talking to them about the game, knowing the scout. Um, And they kind of knew that they kind of knew which path I was going to go down. So I think that helped me in a little bit. I kind of just wasn't the guy who, you know, all of a sudden got done playing overseas. And now he's you know, right back into coaching and he's never really done it before. These guys kind of understood that it was always my passion. So I think that helped me out a ton. Well, I know that you go on from Drexel to then Wagner and then eventually also St.
0: Peter's before where you wind up where you're at today, but would love to just hear from you along those different stops and along the way before you wind up where you're at today or some other things that you found to be very valuable and that you were able to learn and really that you've still been able to apply to your to your days now at Albany.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, being afforded the opportunity to go to Wagner, uh, work for Bashir Mason, who's now the head coach of St. Peter's, uh, my teammate at Drexel for two years. He was two years older than me. Um, you know, the biggest thing I learned from him is, is really just how to operate at a high level on a daily basis. Um, you know, not necessarily taking days off, you're, you're all in on basketball all the time, 24 seven, um, you know, how hard you have to work every day, not only off the court in terms of recruiting, you know, budgeting, running a program, uh, you know, but the passion, the energy you need on a daily basis with your team, um, you know, that was the biggest thing I learned when I, as soon as I got to Wagner, just the energy, the passion, um that that program displays on on a daily basis which it still does now with donald copeland who's their head coach um who we were both assistants together under Bosch. uh that was the biggest thing i learned um if you got to bring that every day your team is going to be ready on game day because you're simulating that game day environment on a daily basis in practice well i know that you had mentioned
0: that you know during your time at wagner that was kind of the time of COVID as well for a coach during that time, I'm sure it was very challenging just to be able to get guys in for a one on one workout or whatever it might have been. How did that year kind of maybe help but force you to change some things that you were not used to doing before because of again the the parameters and whatnot. How did you have to change your coaching style that year?
1: yeah I, I think that year um you know when that happened, we were coming off a year you know very similar to the year we just here had here at Albany um we had a roller coaster season uh didn't perform the way that you know, coach would have loved or had his expectations for. Um, And during that time, we changed the culture of the program. I'm sorry, he changed the culture of the program uh, to a culture of toughness. And, you know, that was something that he preached every day, that our staff preached every day, that our players preached every day, whether it was on a Zoom meeting um, with the team during the summer, because, you know, like you just said, we couldn't be there in the gym with the guys. Um, And then even when we get back, like, you know, you know, This this disease is, you know, kind of taking control of college basketball in a way. And, you know, if we're if we're the toughest team every night, you know, we're going to overcome those obstacles. Everybody can have excuses. Um, But if you're the toughest team every night, you're going to give yourself a chance to win. Yeah, definitely a year where I think everybody had to learn how to adjust.
0: Right. And just kind of learn to maybe even adjust on the fly a little bit and not really know what's going to happen next and just have to kind of roll with the punches a little bit. But I would love to dive a little bit further into your mentality as a coach and a player, because as a former walk-on, I'm sure that there's a very unique mentality you have in that kind of scenario. How do you think your, your past as a player, and especially as a walk-on has helped you in your basket, in your coaching career specifically, and it's kind of has given you that hunger to really want to continue to excel in the coaching world?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it starts out of where I'm from. Like we talked about earlier in Philadelphia, um, you know, it's a city that, you know, is all about basketball, um, you know, college basketball, six division one programs in a city, uh, high school basketball. I was fortunate enough to play at Roman Catholic, which is one of the premier programs in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, so it's just always been a p- part of my life. Um, it's been everything I've done. Uh, my wife is a former college basketball coach. Uh, So basketball just runs in our family 24 seven. And, um, it's that passion that you have. It's that energy that you have that I talked about, um, on a daily basis. Uh, I think you need that in this business. Um, I think you need that every single day that you walk into your office, walk into your practice gym, uh, because that's one thing kids feel, um, you know, the, you know, our student athletes, they, they go through a lot, you know, they're, you know, in school every day, you know, they got to practice, they got games. It's hard to be a division one college basketball player. And at times you need to lift them up and they need to be, you know, feel energized and they're only going to get it from you. They're not going to get it from each other necessarily. So if you can give that passion that energy to them on a daily basis, you know, I think it helps your practices. I think it helps your preparation.
0: And I think on top of that with, with your, you know, it, Being a former player and being a student athlete and of having walked that life at one point in your life, I'm sure you've probably found a lot of players feel a little bit more comfortable around you opening up and whatever it might be about things that they're dealing with on the court, off the court, because you have walked the walk, essentially, so you can actually talk the talk. But I want to get into how you wound up where you're at today at Albany. I know that your last stop at St. Peter's, you were only there for a few months before you jumped over to Albany. So how did that kind of all transpire?
1: Yeah, I mean, I kind of had a crazy offseason, you could say, Um, you know, at Wagner uh, last year. You know, we uh, at one point were leading the nation in consecutive wins at 16 wins in a row, Um, had a great season, great group of guys who have all gone on to do some great things. And, you know, a couple guys who were still on the team this year that had a ton of success. Um, beat Temple the first game of the year. So that program has, has kind of embedded in me what we talked about. Um, and then, you know, the whole St. Peter's run with Shaheem Holloway, what they did last year in the tournament, um, you know, opened up doors for him to go to Seton Hall. Uh, it also opened up doors for my boss, Bashir Mason at Wagner, uh, to go back to his home city in Jersey City and become the head coach at St. Peter's. Um, I went with him and we were there for three months before uh, I was offered the job here at All. He, um, our head coach, Dwayne Killings has always been, you know, a real close friend of mine from my days back at Drexel. Um, he was actually at Temple at the time. We lived in the same neighborhood. Um, we both played for the same coach in Bruiser Flint. Dwayne played for him at UMass myself at Drexel. Um, you know, so that coaching tree that you develop, um, you know, we've talked a ton about brew, um, Bosch is under that tree as well. Dwayne as well. Um, when you guys kind of all get connected like that, you know, you become a family, um, you know, so when Dwayne offered me the job, it was, it was a real tough decision. Uh, you know, Coach, Coach Mason's a brother to me, um, you know, and it was a different opportunity for me and my family to come up here to Albany, uh, help him grow this program here and, um, you know, looking forward to what we can do. Definitely a whirlwind
0: of an offseason for you, to say the least, but uh, glad that you safely landed in a spot that you seem to really be very comfortable at. And I would love to hear just what's kind of on the horizon for Albany and just this upcoming summer, some recruiting trips that you guys have. But also, what are some things that you're hoping that your team will kind of, you know, maybe improve upon and fix up a little bit heading into this year?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think we, we talked about earlier how, you know, I kind of, you know, correlated this year into, you know, my first year at Wagner and what we experienced. And I think the biggest thing to do is, you know, we got to get to work. Um, You know, it's crazy in college basketball. There's really no downtime necessarily. It's kind of like a 12 month a year thing in terms of recruiting. Like you said, Um, you know, you have the transfer portal now going, that's kind of what you do on a daily basis right now. You're planning visits. um, You're looking to get out to see guys, you know, you're on the phone pretty much, you know, all times of the day, you know, learning about things that are going on, you know, and really, it's get to work in the gym with your guys. You know, obviously, this year wasn't acceptable. You know, not the standard that, you know, we want to, you know, live by here at Albany. So it's really get to work. The offseason is the biggest time to get better for our players, the guys that are coming back next year. And, you know, they have a sense of hunger in them right now. You know, for them, that wasn't acceptable this year either. And they're ready to get back in the gym, get to work. Um, it's great to see our, see our guys, you know, already coming back from spring break, wanting to get in the gym, wanting to get in the weight room. Uh, you know, that that makes you feel better as a coach. You see that hunger in your guys to, you know, get better. And if they get better, our team gets better. So that's the biggest thing.
0: Yeah, definitely having a, a motivated group is always a great sign, especially after a season where, you know, I think a lot of teams, they could they could go one of two ways, right? They can kind of just let it defeat them or they can build from it. It sounds like your group is allowing that to, to build them up into something big for next year. Glad you bring up the transfer portal because I would love to unpack that for a second with you. How much has that, do you think, changed not only college basketball, but recruiting and, and really your job and, and, and your position and responsibilities as a coach? How much has that just kind of opened the doors for all sorts of other possibilities?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think one of the biggest things is um, how it's changed is, you know, you get 13 scholarships. So roster management has become key um, and, and it can change. It can change on a weekly basis. Um, it's happened to us. Um, when you think something is, you know, you're going to have something coming back and then something changes. Now you got to adjust um, and, there, and there's really no time to dwell on it. Um, you got to get right to work. Um, you know, so I think from a roster management standpoint, that's kind of the biggest thing. I think you'll, you'll see teams they'll utilize guys from high school. Um, We've done that. Like I said, we've had the last two rookie of the years in the league. We look, we hope to have them the rookie of the year next year in our league as well. Um, You know, so I think you have to have a good balance between high school guys, between transfers, you know, young and older guys in your program. Um, You know, we had that at Wagner the year that last year that I talked about, you know, we had a high school guy come in and start for us. Um, You know, so that's something that I think at times you kind of think is oh, it's transfers, 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 um, but you gotta have a good balance as well.
0: I agree. I think that they're you know, just like anything, there can either be an overcompensation of one thing or the other. But having it that like like you said, a nice blend, a nice mix where there are guys that have Maybe been to the tournament or they've been in conference championships. So they know what that's like and that they can kind of share that. And, and it becomes contagious to the younger guys. And they now have an idea of, Hey, this is what it's like to play in big time games. But coach, it's been great to get you on the show today. Before we let you run, would love to just hear your opinion or really your, 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 your thoughts on this one. A question I always ask us at the end of the interviews. When did you realize kind of have maybe the epiphany, if you will, that you could coach at the collegiate level and at the division one level? That is so for you. When did that kind of click? And you said, you know what? I can definitely make this a career.
1: Yeah, that's, um, that's a great question. Uh, I would say actually, you know, after my senior year at Roman Catholic, um, I got injured right before the season and, um, you know, it kind of shifted my mind into what I wanted to do in basketball. I always knew I wanted to stay in basketball. Um, you know, I had hopes of going on to play in college at the division one level, um, not having to walk on to go on as a scholarship player and, you know, really make an impact playing. Um, and that injury kind of changed my whole mindset. And, uh, you know, that's when I really thought, like, this is what I want to do. I'm not going to become a pro after I'm done college. Uh, You know, so let me start right now. Uh, I still want to work. I still want to play. I still want to be a part of everything. Um, But that's also going to be my focus as well. So that's kind of, I would say my senior year in high school was when I really got that epiphany that you talked about. Well, you've
0: definitely taken the coaching world by storm. And, Coach, we really appreciate you stopping by. Before we really, really let you go, just want to hear who do you think is going to win it all in the NCAA tournament?
1: Uh, um, I'm going to go with Alabama. Uh, that's who I picked and, uh, I'm going to stick with it. Yeah. I like
0: that there. Uh, they're, I'm holding on by a, a deer thread right there. And Alabama is that thread. So I hope that they stay alive for my bracket's sake, but coach, it's been great to get you on the show today. Thanks so much. And good luck in the off season. Thanks a lot. Jack. I appreciate it. And there he goes, Coach Bobby Jordan another fantastic episode today everyone thanks for joining me here on the bench be sure to keep following and subscribing to Ride in the Pine on Apple and Spotify and keep following on Twitter at Ride the Pine 20 RTP all capital, Instagram at riding underscore the underscore pine underscore all lowercase and on TikTok at Ride in the Pine all lowercase for all the latest updates on episodes and content to come, all 293 episodes are out now, keep leaving those ratings and reviews and again folks, I do want to apologize for a little bit of my inconsistent Over the last two weeks or so I've been in and out of town I've had to travel back home for a little bit I also was traveling on the road for work some Doing some broadcasting on the road So I do apologize for my in and out With the episodes But it's a very busy time of year for me Especially in broadcasting But do not worry We're still trying to get episodes out On normal schedule As normal as possible Also a lot of guests have been very busy With the winding down of college basketball season But with a little bit of off time coming up We'll be getting more and more guests to join the show So again and I do apologize for a little bit of inconsistency, but that will get cleaned up here in the next few weeks. But once again, everyone, thanks so much for tuning in today. And until next time on Riding the Pine, keep on sitting the bench with me.